Hi, my name's Alistair. Hi, my name's Kat. This is Ali Cat, and we're bringing you Bampot Productions podcast. So, good news today out of Ukraine, the first I've heard in maybe nine or so months. Kersong has been liberated. Mm. Um, a few days ago, I forget the exact day, um, Russian troops have taken it quite a while ago, have occupied it. Mm-hmm. It was one of the four regions that Putin, I think, was saying that 97% of the electorate voted... To become part of Russia. To become part Which, of Russia. in fairness, they probably did. Well, I mean, I don't really know that. 97% seems extortionately high. Well, like, it's these, very disproportionately Eastern high. Eastern Europeans rule. They, they, they're normally on the same wavelength. They normally think very similar thoughts. And uh, I think that's probably a reason for their... Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I think, I think probably 97% is about right. Uh, right, okay. Well, I mean, I'm not sure about that. Oh, yeah. But anyway... Do you remember when Gaddafi was being overthrown? And... Vaguely. The days before the rebels ran into Tripoli, they had all the Gaddafi supporters out in the street and everyone was, like, armed and they were saying, we love Gaddafi, this is perfect. And literally, the second that the rebels made it into the city... Everyone changed around being like, we love freedom. We always love freedom. We never like Gaddafi. I tend to find that, I don't know, I've seen this a lot where like during like civil wars and armed conflicts and things, like it's amazing how quickly the population on an area changes from being pro this to anti this, from anti that to pro that. (laughs) Kind of switches around what the crowds are cheering for. That's true, um, but I think that's maybe more a question of survival. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So okay, so th- that's a very good point. I mean, it's very possible that in theory, when the people did vote, that there was out of the electorate ninety seven percent wanted to become part of Russia, but then you hear cases of that people were going from door to door with guns yeah that's not that's not really that free is it so i'm not sure how democratic it actually was in the first place um it's a valid point though i mean you know a lot of people depending on the circumstances do flip-flop yeah but kerson has been liberated and many of the ukrainians are now coming back Mm mm-hmm um that they have fled um mm-hmm. as the russians were fleeing i know when they were crossing the bridges the ukrainians were had um, bombed quite a few of the bridges um Just so they're destroying them. their oh. own infrastructure which i think is quite common in war because i know at the start they blew up the bridges to kiev right um and, yeah, there was that, wasn't there? there was yeah, quite a bit but of... they never got as far as that in the first place. Because um, uh, I think after the Ukrainians blew up the bridges, I think there were issues with the army just kind of doing basic f- functioning stuff. Like, they couldn't seem to get enough supplies, their tanks all broke. It just seemed like a bit of a disaster. Do you remember those videos from the start where there was, like, Russian soldiers show. going into... Um, like convenience stores and shit and just like picking up like grocery supplies and yeah. whatnot because they had no food. It's like, so they're basically hell. just thugs. 
They're yeah. basically just a bunch of thugs. Like, they're not what I would call a professional army. Although, bear in mind that a lot of them are conscripts. And, like, I was told that a few of... That a lot of the um, men that were conscripted because... The Russian men, in theory, have to serve... Is it a year in the army, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, um, they weren't actually told it was a war. They were just told you have to go over there. The next second, you know, they're being shot at. So, you know, that kind of contextualises war from all sides. Um, That's not totally uncommon in war as well. Um, to not be informed as to where you're going. Yeah, not, it's, it's far better if you can inform like the people fighting what they're going to do so they can prepare for it but um you can't often tell too many people because it'll like leak out so if you if you want to have like an element of surprise it's it's not the first time um an army said they're doing a training exercise under the pretext of preparing for an invasion and the thing is if if you tell every one of the soldiers that it's just pretend then um the 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 training is just pretend that you're actually going into attack it'll leak out at some point so it's not the first time that's happened it is a kind of legitimate tactic um they thought that the advantage was more than like the element of surprise was worth more than the um the informing the the soldiers i i'd say it probably was it's just everything else about their <laughs> was it's been a shit, a shit show. show well i mean Russia always has all those parades for May Day and they're forever mm-hmm. saying that, oh, you know, we spend this on an army and that. Yeah. But clearly there must be an awful lot of corruption because if the gear doesn't even work. um. So anyway, a lot of the Russian so- soldiers, you told me, were told to retreat, but it wasn't like um, very organized. And you had mentioned that they just all kind of ran away. Um, but what's happening to them now, the ones that didn't get away? Are they just being killed or arrested or are they trying to blend into the population? Yeah, I haven't read any more about it since yesterday. Um, yeah, the story I read yesterday was that they were, there was a few Russian soldiers being arrested in Kherson. So they're not being executed, they're being arrested? I don't know. I'd probably just arrested, I would guess, but there'll be a little bit of back into you know, some war that goes it goes both ways, you know. You invade a country, you get executed, happens sometimes. Yeah. I've not seen any stories of people being executed in the street. I, I've seen nothing about that. Um There's been lots of stories about people being executed sorry, on the street. Let me reiterate, I've read no stories about Ukrainian soldiers executing Russian soldiers in Kherson over the last two days. Okay, yeah. That is correct. <clears throat> um there's another point that but I'm... yes go ahead. I have um yeah there are I've seen that they've arrested a few that are now trying to hide as civilians in in the town but would they manage that I think it'd be difficult I mean when I mean, you've suddenly got a new neighbor you've never met before <laughs> this is they don't know where anything is yeah. where is the nearest store neighbor yeah. wait what I I'm Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent's a 72-year-old <laughs> retired farmer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're clearly in your 20s. No, I'm Mr. Kent. I mean, so how do you think this is going to pan out? I mean, is this a precedent? So do you think that the other occupied places are going to are going to fall soon? I don't know. There's there is a thing in in wars where 
this happens quite a bit where nations get a bit too too keen when they're winning and they can stretch themselves too far too quickly and actually end up losing a bit. I saw um, Zelensky say the plan is now to push further and take Crimea as well, actually take all of the land plus Crimea back. And I've seen a few Western commentators, Crimea. Um, including the Minister of Defence in the UK, saying, actually, you need to start thinking about negotiating for peace now. Um, that's something that needs to start happening. And The Western negotiators are saying that? They're kind of recommending that Ukraine do that, I think, for a number of reasons. They don't want a long, drawn-out war. But what do the Ukrainians want? They want all of their land back. But at the same time, they have to accept that they're Ukraine and the other combatant is Russia and they wouldn't really have been able to do any of this if it wasn't for the billions of dollars worth of NATO weaponry that's flooded into the country. I think the West probably isn't in the mood to consistently be sending, you know, a few billion dollars of equipment every month just for a stalemate at the end. But just to finish that point, I think there is a risk that if the West loses its appetite to support, if they don't want entrenched position, they probably don't. The other issue for the West is that they probably don't want to um, antagonize Russia into using a nuclear weapon. That's probably quite a priority to end it before that. Well, Putin kept saying that he would. He did, and, and currently then he, he hasn't. That. <laughs> but you know, it he's depends. Not that dumb. I mean, is he that mad? Is he that mad and bad? I wonder if part of the consideration, though, is that if they push and take all of that back, including Crimea, that that may be just unacceptable. Because he's lost too much yeah. face. Exactly. He can't yeah, deal with face. it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I wonder if that's that's an issue as well. I, I do think that it feels great at the moment. Like they're winning. They've done it really fast, but. Quite often these things can turn quickly. There was the, you know, when Israel invaded Egypt and they took all of the Sinai Peninsula mm-hmm. and then decided they would push even further and then eventually they kind of... What? Ground take up. over the Egyptian country? Not not all of Egypt, but they, they got That's too bold. embedded in the war and yeah. then they actually had to sue for peace, giving up most of the, those gains the territory, so... Because um, the Sinai to, always belonged to Egypt. Right? Yeah, but Israel occupied it for a short yeah. time. And they actually wanted to annex it as yeah. part of Israel, and um, they just very they were doing very well. They had they had a new tactic in desert warfare, which was um, drink water, <laughs> allowed them to outcompete all their neighbors. That's interesting. Because water is such a precious resource, the um, a lot of these armies decided to ration water mm-hmm. when they were out marching and doing manoeuvres in, in the desert. And the Israelis very quickly realised you want to do the opposite. You want to make sure everyone drinks a minimum of, you know, so many litres a day. You want to maximise how much water they're drinking. And it meant their soldiers basically weren't dehydrated and dying. So they were able to kind of storm it around the place. It seems kind of basic though, doesn't it? I love how so does many things are, really basic? It does, but it was the 60s and, you know, we didn't know those things at that time. Wait, wait, that hydration was good for you? Was no. that not something that was pushed in health? No, we knew that. But what we didn't, what they didn't know as, as military planners was whether it was better to conserve the water or use as much as possible. Because it yeah. is a precious resource in the wait, desert. Wait, so you're saying that the Israelis didn't skimp on the water for yeah. themselves you mean yeah so, like, they, they figured that it. it was worth they figured out that it was well worth putting the extra money in to make sure that there was a ton of water getting to soldiers who are marching um 
But as I said, that that they they turned around, they actually lost most of their gains there because they got a bit greedy, and um, that's actually a really common thing. You think you're winning and you're storming it, and suddenly it changes a bit, and then you're you can lose. I don't know. It feels like it would be impossible for Russia to regroup now, but you know. Um, but isn't Russia occupying a lot of parts of? the eastern ukraine they so are, yeah. if the soldiers yeah. but it also didn't look very organized because what i saw was a whole bunch of russian guys just running away yeah so it didn't even look like there was any tactics so it doesn't look like there's the middle management it looks like a shit show um and i know that the ukrainians blew up a lot of the bridges as the russians were leaving i don't think so they, they were blown the, the bridges like they were just i think they were just shelling the positions mm-hmm. that the russians were using so so even when they ran away, they were still trying to get them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They it's kind of what you do, though. It's, you know. I mean, it's war. Yeah. There's a saying, actually, all's fair in love and war. Well. It just kind of means that the rules and the boundaries tend, tend to go out the door. Yeah, but they don't, though. They do. Well, you'd be very surprised at what people would do for those that they love, and you'd be very surprised at what good people would do to those they hate and more. I wouldn't be surprised at all, like, I think that's unfair, actually, the way you've just called me an idiot in front of all our listeners, but I'll, I'll move past it. I'll move past it. I'll move past it. <laughs> Gee, thank you for that. We have a ton of rules in warfare. There's lots of Listen, things... Listen, they're followed. They're more followed than they're not, and almost... War crimes are committed every day in conflicts. There are, but most rules are followed. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I wouldn't. I, I'd say the vast majority of soldiers will go their whole career without committing a war crime. Really? Yeah. You think the majority of soldiers in the world commit war crimes in there? I, I, think... I think there's war crimes generally that are committed. Actually, to to be honest with you, there's I a think ton if of you're rules in a war zone like... for a long time, you lose perception That's fine. in context. And I think that sometimes people do just snap. I think there's lots, like maybe the more minor things, but I think there's lots of conventions that are followed fairly, you know, religiously. Like types of weapons you are and aren't allowed to use. Locations where you are and aren't allowed to use certain weapons. Um, in fact, even countries that do break those rules or use them, they go to great effort to demonstrate that they were following using it within. Like a major one is white phosphorus, which you're not allowed to use in civilian. Like you're not allowed to deliberately attack civilians with it or civilian areas, but it's really good cover. And even the countries that do use it essentially against civilian populations, go to great efforts to demonstrate that that's not why they were doing it. It's like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of types of weapons you just can't use as well. Like, I don't remember the last time a chemical weapon was used in any... In Syria? That was like a decade ago now. No, that was only a couple of years ago. It was was during the Obama administration. No, I think maybe... They started to use the phosphorus gas in Syria maybe 2016. That was when Trump was there, I'm sure of it. There was another, really? Yeah. 2016? I don't recall the, that. Uh, the white phosphorus. Oh, no, but I, I think white phosphorus is different, though, because I mean, I say it, there are legitimate ways you can use that, so. I mean, I'm sure there's been chemical stuff used before. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not that common. I think how many wars are going on. It's very rare you hear about. Hmm. Okay, that's an interesting point. Just going back and to the Russians there fleeing are away. consequences. Sorry, I just t- talking about your point that you said all's fair in love and war. 
I think there are people that are um, convicted all the time for things they've done during wars. I don't think it's all fair. I wouldn't say that. I think that uh, a besmirch of our proud soldiers. <laughs> and this Remembrance Sunday. Oh, is this Remembrance Sunday? Yeah, and you've you've just put down the whole British army. Call them I all didn't war criminals, put down basically. the British army. You said a majority said, of soldiers commit war crimes. No, I didn't say while that. While they're defending you, and you're right to say that. Okay, so I just want to go back to a point. Freedom isn't free. <laughs> Freedom isn't free, that's what was said by Eric Andre. Um, I just want to go back and make a point. Um, mm-hmm. As the Russian soldiers were fleeing, yes. um, uh they did something really strange. What did they do? They stole bones. From where? <laughs> um, they stole bones. Okay. There was a military advisor and statesman to Catherine the Great. Yeah. And his name was... Potemkin. Oh, yeah. Potemkin. And um, his bones were taken from St. Catherine's... Cathedral? Cathedral. And moved into further Russian-held land. Hmm. So, um... Wow. They've been stealing quite a lot of stuff anyway. Kind of gold, jewels, taking a lot of things from museums, like, along the way. Um, but taking bones of an 18th century commander. That's not right. Because that commander kind of encouraged the empress to send her troops into what was then Ukraine. Yeah. And then that became part of the what would then become uh, the Russian Empire, which would then become uh, the Soviet Union. Wasn't that a part of Putin's um, kind of rationale for the war when he was saying that... Did he not say that, like... It was the denazification was the rationale as well. Yeah, I, but when he was talking... Sorry, yeah, yeah, you're right. What I mean, it's later on when he was given that speech about... Um, like the, he said something to the effect of like R- Ukraine isn't a real country it was created by the Russians so do you think that's why they went and stole it's like, it because they that? went into his crypt yeah. and they actually took his bones which is really gross his crib yeah he's crypt he's got a crib. it's like he's got a crypt in the in um, the in uh, the the museum which museum um, it, no sorry not in the museum in St Catherine's Cathedral. Um, Which part of St. Catherine's Cathedral? Well, the crypt. Um, oh. Because his body was placed inside the cathedral and he had a crypt. Okay. And, um, okay. Yes. And, um, yeah, so they've taken his bones <sighs> back with them to the to motherland. the motherland. Uh, to Russia, so it's it just kind of shows that kind of that's kind of what they have to show mm. for nine months of kind of death and casualties. It's just like a bunch of bones. Potemkin's bones. Yeah, it just seems a bit strange. But like I said, Mr. Potemkin was a military commander and he encouraged Catherine the Great to expand, sorry, oh. to expand the Russian Empire by going into what was then Ukraine. So that became part of the empire, thus part of the Soviet Union. And then it became its own country when the Soviet Union collapsed again. Um, 
So I don't expect you to understand this because you're a woman, but most men would consider the, the greatest gains in territory to be the friends you make along the way. And I think that a lot of the Russian soldiers will have a lot of good friends now for life, both Russian and Ukrainian. And uh, I actually can see a hell of a lot of these Russian soldiers holidaying in, in, in Ukraine now on their summer holidays and going back and meeting up with old friends that they made along the way. Uh, I'm not sure about that, to be honest. That's because you're a girl. You don't understand how war works. But okay. I promise you, for guys, this will all blow over. None of these soldiers will remember it in the next, in the coming years. I think a lot of them are going to be highly traumatised. They'll have a lot of PTSD, no. which is very common with men in combat. No, um, soldiers are, um, they're not like you and me. They are heroes and they're brave and they don't, they don't, uh, they don't feel like that. Name, when have you ever seen or heard of a traumatised soldier? Ever. Ever. Name one. Well, it's talked about in the news a lot. Yeah, by the liberal fake media. Oh, by no such thing. Now, we bought our poppies the other day, didn't we, for Armistice Day? The poppies? Yeah, we bought poppies. Yeah. We wore them proudly. Yes. That's all I wanted to say about that. Okay. Hope everyone else weared their poppies. That's true, that's true. I mean, okay, so just going back to what's happening there in Kherson, yes. do you think this is a precedent that the Russians are going to be running away and pulling out of a lot of what is now occupied Ukraine? Well, I said it's hard, really hard to predict. Um, you, it looks like the answer would be yes, that this would just carry on right to the border, but at the same time, Ukraine is, I think, today I hear a lot of people talk about the fights the Ukrainians are putting up. I think a lot of people forget just how much support they need from the West to continue that fight. And it may get to the point where it's no longer within the West's interest to either antagonise Russia that much or to just like hold out for the stalemate. So, um, gosh, it could change in so many ways, right? Like, And it could change very quickly. Yeah. Um, it feels like this moment, like it's just going to keep going right to the border, but I don't, I, it can change in an instant, so I wouldn't want to make predictions about it. Got winter setting in fast as well. Which I think maybe is maybe part of the reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Mr. Putin didn't expect to, to get this far. No. He didn't expect the Ukrainians to be no, as resilient as they were. Yeah. I mean, are. And I don't think he anticipated this much support from the West. I think he didn't either. I think he thought that they wouldn't bother. But I think maybe he underestimated the political dislike for Russia as a country. Yeah. Not for Russians or Russia as a country, but the political discontentment against him. I don't know if that, if that was a thing, perhaps. Um, but it's just not gone according... To his plans, to be honest. Um, I don't really know. I mean, this Christmas is going to be a sad one. For Ukraine, for Russia. Actually, it's, I mean, it's going to be not that great in the UK either because of the inflation stuff. But at least here it's peaceful. Well, Very peaceful. It's peaceful. It's just not the best 
life, I guess. Okay. Alistair has just handed me a bouquet of plastic flowers. They're probably an, they're natural to ask flowers. for my forgiveness and apologize for just being a dickbag. No, when I ask for forgiveness, I ask for it in your mother tongue. <laughs> don't go there. Hmm? Please don't go there. Okay. Don't say anything else. Okay, thank you very much. You. Now, this paw has been very chaotic and hectic and confusing. And no thanks to Mr. Hodgson. Um, so, right. Do you know what Ending. our relationship therapist said you're not meant to put me down on our podcast anymore? That's really <sighs> rude. Okay. That's so, really rude. <laughs> Shut up. Please stop being autistic. Okay. You always laugh at my disability. That I'll get you cancelled for that. But then we do the pod together, so be cancelled well, yourself. Well, also, if you get cancelled, it implies that you were important, whereas we definitely aren't, so you can get over that that one as well. I can cancel you and you can cancel me. We can cancel one another out. We can cancel but out other people wouldn't cancel us because we're not that important, so there. So that's a challenge for you listeners. Try and get us cancelled on Twitter. Okay. So, um... Yep. Ending that Kirson's been liberated. Mm. Um, and well, it depends what side you're on, but yeah. Well, for the Ukrainians. Yes. And for the Russians, to a certain extent as well, because most of their army, really, I don't think... Well, the Russians really we consider... Really wants to be there. Remember that Kherson is officially part of Russia after the, the vote. So it's not anymore. It's territory of Russia. So to them, they've actually just invaded sovereign territory. Depends who you ask. We've it's talked about this before. Mm. Okay, so anyway, Kherson's been liberated. Well, mm -hmm. Once again, depends who you ask. Kherson's been liberated. Depends Kherson's been liberated. God, or should I liberate us from this relationship in a minute? Do you know what? I know that it goes against everything that the relationship counsellor said, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that threat. That like mutually assured guy. destruction. Mutually assured destruction. You talk about this as if it's nu nuclear war. You're scratching your back with. I'm not the plastic flowers. Okay, well, first of all, Ali. You know those bears. You, you admit get. they're plastic. You had just said on the pod that they were real. See, listeners. <laughs> See, they were always fake, like my love for you. Damn it, Catherine. <laughs> Look at the state of you. Okay. State of me. Kherson's been liberated for the hundredth time. Okay. Um, we'll come back to you next time with more current affairs. Bye from Kat. Bye. From? Me. And who's me? Bye from Alistair. <laughs> Bye from Bampot Productions Podcast. And check us out at Bampot Pod on Twitter. Bampot Pod. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Bye.